Good morning, and welcome to the Sunday service of Free Community Church. Thank you so much to each one of you for joining us early this morning, and to those of you who are watching online or watching during the week, a warm welcome home as well. So let's take a moment to greet one another if you're here on site. You can turn to your neighbor, uh, give them a wave, give them a smile. Uh, if you're online, you can also type into the chat box in YouTube, and our moderators will be there also to respond to your chats. Uh, so as we prepare to enter into this time of worship, I'll just invite you to take a deep breath and center yourself. Some of you might have been you know, coming here rejoicing. I heard there was a lot of loud laughter early this morning. Some of you might be coming here grieving. Some of you may have heavy hearts. Some of you may be feeling really close to God right now, full of love for God. Some of you may be feeling a bit distant from God. So wherever you're at, just know this, that God is a loving God who's just ready to embrace you wherever you are. So take this time to just bring yourself as you are to God. And now may I invite you to stand in body or in spirit and join me in the call to worship. Today is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let, Let us, us be, be glad, glad this day for life, for, for breath, and, and for, for freedom, freedom to, to worship. worship. Blessed are you come in the name of the Lord. We come to bring our gifts of praise and gratitude to the God of all creation. God is good, and in God's work we find our strength. We sing of all God's wonderful works. Let us give thanks and praise to the Lord. So now I invite you to remain standing and join the worship team in a time of praise and worship. Speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Cause I know there is peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Till every dark addiction starts to break Declaring there is hope and there is freedom I speak Jesus Your name is power Your name is healing Your name is love Stronghold shine through the shadows, burn like a fire. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over fear and all anxiety. I 
please be seated. We come to now to a time of prayer. And will you pray with me? God, as we enter into Holy Week, we will live once again Jesus' last week. May you open our eyes, our minds, our hearts to experience this week anew. Not just reliving the key moments of Holy Week, but also what it means to us then and now. Even when there is a sense of triumph on Palm Sunday, we know pain, suffering and death is round the corner on Good Friday. Yet, we know death does not have the final word. We know that there is an empty tomb on Easter morning. In our lives, it is not just triumph and victory and joy. The reality of life also comes with suffering, pain, hurt. There is but one constant, and that is love. Love that comes from you, God. Love that overcomes. Love that transcends time and space. Love that knows no boundaries. Love that is bound up with justice. Love that brings healing. Love that comforts. God, in the different situations in our lives, we find ourselves. May we learn to anchor ourselves and open our hearts and realize that you are ever-present. You, God, always loves us and loves us through the situations that we must push through. We lift up our friends and families and those who are struggling with health issues, both physical, emotional, or mental. We lift up those who are struggling to make ends meet. We lift up those who are anxious, fearful, uncertain. We pray that we are able to create your kingdom in this community where people trust that they are not alone and they do not need to go through things alone. That you are present through us to walk with each other through the storms in our lives and also to the trines of our lives that we can rejoice together, to celebrate together and mourn together as your family. Life giver, pain bearer, love maker. Day by day, you sustain the weary with your word and gently encourage us to place our trust in you. Awaken us to the suffering of those around us and save us from hiding in denials or taunts that 
deepen the hurt and give us the grace to share one another's burdens in humble service. Amen. Let's continue to worship with the worship team.
Good morning, church. For those who haven't met, my name is Gary, and I'm so glad that you're here with us as we go into the Word together this morning. I just want to first say a huge thank you and a big shout-out of gratitude to our wonderful Sunday service teams who make these hybrid services possible. And also a big shout-out to you if you are joining us for the first or second time, whether here on-site physically with us here in church, or maybe you're joining us live online right now or watching this sometime later in the week. We are so grateful that you have made this time to join us to worship and receive the ministry of the Word, especially at the start of Holy Week. So if you're here and joining us this morning, I would like to invite you to contribute to this sermon by going over to menti.com. And so if you've got a phone or a computer, would you just scan the QR code and go to your browser and enter fcc.ly slash menti, and that would take you to menti.com, where you can follow along and contribute anonymously to today's sermon. So today, we are going to begin with a reading from Matthew 21 and verse 1. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethpage, At the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them, and He will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet. Tell the daughter of Zion... Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Then Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who were selling and buying in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. He said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it into a den of robbers. Friends, would you join me in a word of prayer as we give this time to God? Dear God, we thank you for each and every person here today. I pray that you will speak to each of our hearts today in the way that we need to see you and receive you as we encounter you in the gospel story this Palm Sunday. God, we gather today and shout, Hosanna, save us. Help us to recognize it is by following what you are teaching us through the person of Jesus Christ that we help to save ourselves 
and participate in your saving work in the world. Let your word come alive in our hearts today so that, that we can see you clearly and be open to your work in our lives today. And I pray that at the end of our time together in this service, we can all say that we have encountered the living God. In Jesus' name we pray, and all of God's people say, Amen. Today, we're celebrating Palm Sunday. I've always loved Palm Sunday. It's one of my favorite Sundays of the year. When I was younger and growing up in church, it was one of the more exciting Sundays because we get to take a break from our regular Sunday services and we gather outside the church with palm branches that we had cut from our homes or honestly, some of the trees around the estate that the government had planted. And we joyfully brought them into the church, waving these palm branches, and that would mirror what was happening in the text. So when I was younger, I, envis I envisaged Palm Sunday playing out like this, that as Jesus was coming into Jerusalem, everyone in the city came out of their houses and they grabbed palm branches and waved them jubilantly in the air and they worshipped Jesus together. It's just like in this um, Bible that I grabbed from the pastor's office and we can see here how the whole city has come out to worship Jesus. But today I want to ask us as we enter today in the story, what do you think is the point of Palm Sunday? What do you think is the point of Palm Sunday? And I invite you to enter this into Menti right now. You see, it was not long ago that I thought the point then was that later in the week, all of these people that praised Jesus' entry into Jerusalem has turned against Jesus and shouted for His crucifixion. That everyone deserted Jesus like Jesus did, like Peter did, and left Him to die to atone for the sins of humanity alone. Today, I understand Palm Sunday a little bit differently. And that's because what I've been learning about Palm Sunday. But let's see what you think is the point of Palm Sunday. A foreshadowing of Jesus' death? A prophecy fulfilled of Messiah riding a colt? The crowd welcoming a conquering king, but Jesus entering in humility and sacrifice? To create awareness and capture attention before the events of Good Friday? A time to contemplate the world uh, of time to contemplate worldview. It's that the worldview is changing. That people thought that he was king. That people have a need for someone to save them. Today, I want to retell a story that everyone thinks we know very well. But I think, like me, we don't seem to quite understand it that well. In preparing for today's message, I read this really illuminating book that situates the events around Holy Week in its historical context. It's called The Last Week, the day-by-day -day account of Jesus' final week in Jerusalem, and it's co-authored by Marcus Borg and John Dominic Croson. And if you want an analysis and a fresh revelation of the blow-by-blow -blow events of Holy Week, 
I highly encourage you to borrow this from the National Library, which I did, or get it for your Kindle or from Kino Kunia, which is still in stock. I think so many of us conceive a Palm Sunday in the way that I did when I was younger, and I think that's the vision that most people in the church and outside the church have as well. But I think that that's a really inaccurate description of what really went down on Palm Sunday. As you know, Jesus and his followers were Jewish, so they had to come to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. And in those days, the Passover was a pilgrimage festival, which means that you were supposed to come to Jerusalem if you could. And for Jesus and his followers, and for many people coming, for them, it, was, it meant traveling about 150 kilometers from Galilee in the north all the way down to Jerusalem in the south. And that's a week of travel up and down dusty, hilly countryside on marginal roads at best. Jerusalem would have been filled with all of these people coming in ready to celebrate. And there would be a very strong Roman presence as well. And guess what? Pontius Pilate, the Roman appointed governor of Judea, would have been there. He would have traveled from his residence in Caesarea Maritima in the west into Jerusalem to ensure that the Roman presence was known. Now, the Romans were at all of these festivals to ensure that, firstly, things didn't get out of hand but they also made, wanted to make a special show of force and power on Passover because do you remember what the Jews were celebrating during Passover? Yes, it was God's liberation of their people from Egypt. Rome knew, and Rome knew that they didn't want any of the Jews to get any ideas thinking that God might be liberating them from another oppressive power which is the Roman Empire that was occupying Judea at that time. And so this plays out on Palm Sunday. And in the book, The Last Week, Marcus Borg and Dominic Croissant reminds us there were actually not one, but two parades going on at the same time on Palm Sunday. On the east side of town was one parade. And that's the one that we read about in Matthew 21 with Jesus, his disciples, and a crowd of followers. Jesus comes in riding from the town of Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, which actually isn't a real mountain. It's kind of like a hill that just overlooks the city of Jerusalem. And this town of Bethpage is located just at the city entrance about one kilometer away. And in this parade, Jesus comes in riding on a borrowed donkey. And if you read carefully at Matthew's account, he makes a specific reference to the prophecy in Zechariah chapter 9, which reads, and what I did was to put it side by side here with Matthew 21.5 saying, Rejoice greatly, O daughter Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, triumphant and victorious is he, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey." But in Matthew 21.5, you can see on the right that the gospel writer tweaks this to read, Tell the daughter of Zion, look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, 
the fall of a donkey. The first thing that I want to point out is that Matthew wanted to emphasize that there was not just one donkey, just like there was not just one parade, but two donkeys. You know, the rest of the gospel accounts only emphasize the donkey that Jesus rode in on. But John Dominic Croissant proposes that Jesus intentionally wanted these two animals, a donkey with a little colt beside her, because of the symbolism in it. In this parade, Jesus doesn't ride a stallion or a mare. He doesn't ride a mule or even a male donkey. And he doesn't even ride just a female donkey. He rides the most unmilitary mount imaginable, a female nursing donkey and her little baby colt trotting along beside her. And for further emphasis, Matthew drops the part of the prophecy of triumphant and victorious as he, when he, he goes and quotes Zechariah 9. And then you see the prophecy continue in Zechariah 9 verse 10, where it goes on beautifully to support how the one who comes riding in on this humble donkey into Jerusalem will non-violently bring about peace, saying, He will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall command peace to the nations. That's the kind of king God was sending to the people, not the warrior king that some of the crowd were probably expecting. But who was this crowd? Who were the people that made this up? Well, we know some of them. Some of them were Jesus' followers and His disciples. And we know that two of these people following were also among those that Jesus had healed on the way that He was walking from Jericho. And Miak preached about that. And others who had experienced His miracles and healing. And as this crowd approached the city, they grabbed some palm branches. They took the cloaks off their back and threw them on the ground to make sort of makeshift carpet. It wasn't the glorious, triumphant, victorious event that most of our Bibles, including this Bible, have in their depiction or in their section header. And it's certainly not the way I pictured it when I was younger. It was just His followers making a path for Jesus to enter into the city while calling out to Jesus, Hosanna, save us, and praising Jesus as He rode into the city with their limited understanding of who Jesus was and what Jesus' intentions really were. Because at the same time, on the other side of town, on the west entrance into Jerusalem, Jesus knew that there was a different kind of parade going on. And that would have been the one, the event and the spectacle that everybody would have wanted to see. It wasn't a bunch of peasants grabbing palm branches to lay down before a man riding in on a little donkey. This parade was the procession of the Roman imperial army. And the central figure that you see is Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor of not just Judea, but Idumea and Samaria at that time. 
he wasn't on a borrowed donkey. He would have been the, at the head of this parade with hundreds of Roman soldiers and cavalry. You can see that there were chariots and war horses and soldiers with their helmets, armors, and spears at the ready. They were carrying banners with the symbols of Rome. There were drums beating and whips snapping the ground and dust circling the air. This was the proclamation of the power of empire. And this was the parade the Romans wanted to make sure that the citizens were coming out to see. Can you imagine that on one side of town, you have a display of imperial power, and on the other side of town, you have a Middle Eastern Jewish peasant coming in on a borrowed donkey nursing her baby. You see, the Roman parade wasn't just also about a display of power. It was also about a display of their theology. Because according to Roman imperial theology, it was Caesar, the emperor, who was the son of God, Lord and Savior. And everyone would be fine as long as they were, they were willing to, to confess that. But the people on the other side of town were saying that it was not Caesar who was the Son of God. It was Jesus who was the Son of God. It was the reign of God, the kingdom of God, where their loyalty belonged to. Not the Roman Empire, but with Jesus, who they claimed was their Messiah, their Christos, their Anointed One. And at that time, the Anointed One that they were praying and hoping for was supposed to be a warrior king who would overthrow the occupying empire. And if we take a moment to think about it, this Jesus is a complete opposite and a huge contrast to someone like Pilate. His intention reflected the heart of God and God's ways was nothing like the violent revolution of might. He was talking about the non-violent revolution of the heart where people opened their hearts, learned in His examples, paused and thought about the way that they lived their lives and made decisions to follow Him and act to create a more just and peaceful world. I hope that you're beginning to see the point of Palm Sunday now. It is really a strategically planned political demonstration by Jesus against the ruling Roman Empire where people were confronted to choose who were they going to align with and which parade were they going to attend. No wonder Matthew records in verse 10 that the entire city was in turmoil, asking, who is this? The last week puts it like this. Jesus' triumphant entry was actually an anti-imperial, anti-triumphal one, a deliberate lampoon or criticism of the conquering emperor entering a city on horseback through gates opened in abject submission. But Jesus didn't stop there. He didn't stop on, on Sunday. And on Monday, we read in Matthew 21, 12 and 13 that Jesus goes into the temple. And in these days, the temple was the destination of the pilgrimage. 
but it was also the epicenter of all religious life. It represented the dwelling place of God, the mediator of forgiveness through sacrifice and the center of devotion. And in his ministry, Jesus kept talking about how people needed to be less concerned about the letter of the law, and he felt people were getting too distracted on the wrong things. Like how an animal sacrifice had turned from becoming a sacred gift or the sharing of a meal offered in worship to God to being made a substitution for the forgiveness of sins to the ones offering it. Or the idea that worthiness and blessing was based on the quality of the offering and sacrifice that one brought. Or that the temple was the only place where one could be mediated by priests to be in God's presence. And so Jesus goes into the large outer courts where the money changers were. You need to know that the money changers were not there to change foreign currency to local currency like our money changers. They were there to change your denarii into temple currency, which can only be used in the temple. And this currency was essential for worship in the temple because people needed to use this currency to buy the animals and burn offerings. You wanted to make sure that you also got your animals from the temple because then you can be sure that it was an acceptable offering to God. And guess what? The exchange rate was controlled and priced in the overheads of the temple and the margins of the money changers, the Jewish elites and the temple leaders that they would keep for themselves, plus the tribute that needed to be paid to Rome. But Jesus goes and says that this isn't what God is about and this isn't what God cares about. You don't need an intermediary between you and God. You don't need some kind of animal to die to substitute for your sins. You don't need to be this part of this constructed system of economic exploitation and religious oppression. And Jesus goes and, into, and overturns the money changers' tables. He literally shuts the temple system down. So you see, what happened here on Palm Sunday first is that Jesus confronts the political establishment heads on in his parade. And then on Monday, he goes and confronts the religious establishment head on. And is it any surprise that the week ended up the way that it did? I think so many of us miss the point of Holy Week. You may not agree with me on this point, but I think that the point of Jesus' life was, I don't think that the point of Jesus' life was to die. So many Christians think that the point of Jesus' life was to die to atone for humanity's sins. I used to think that way too. But I don't think today that's why Jesus lived. I think Jesus lived his life in such a way that eventually led to his death because he confronted the principalities and the powers at every turn that led to his inevitable death. And so you see, Palm Sunday is the crux of what it is all about because it is the day we choose whether we're going to join Jesus' parade or the world's parade. Now, if we join Jesus' parade, we know where that's going to lead, right? We know that it heads straight to the cross. And for Jesus, it was a literal cross. 
But for us, while it may not be a literal cross, there are plenty of different figurative crosses which we must confront in our lives when we follow the path of Jesus, the path of compassion and self-love for the other, where we die to ourselves, where we die to our comfort and our conveniences. Right now, I would like to invite you to share some of the different crosses that maybe you are confronting in your life today. Are you confronting the crosses of racism, homophobia, transphobia, nationalism, ableism, sexism? Are you confronting the crosses of workplace exploitation, economic exploitation, environmental exploitation? Or maybe the crosses that you are confronting at a, at a more personal level, and you are confronting the cross of fear, the cross of unworthiness of your own ego. Let's see what you have shared. Some of you say that you're confronting the crosses of your family, of being who you are, of your parents, of leaving your comfort zone, of confidence, of staying true to your values even if it might jeopardize your career, of mental health. I'm sorry for that. of supporting LGBTQ strangers while staying in the closet, of noise in your head, of feeling unworthy and not living up to expectations. You see, we are called to confront different crosses each and every day of our lives. And a lot of times that can mean something quite abstract for us. But I think that it firstly begins with being curious and being open to learn to learn about ourselves and who we are and learn about how we interact with the world around us. And being curious and open to learning is foundational, especially in the time of Lent, as we are invited to repent, to pause and think about it and begin to confront these crosses. And often, if not always, learning and confronting our crosses will require courage, because it will come with a degree of struggle and discomfort. It will be uncomfortable to learn the role that privilege plays in our lives and begin to confront that. It will be uncomfortable to learn how we have marginalized others in our life. It will be uncomfortable to have to make changes in the way we relate with others. It will be uncomfortable to have to make changes in the way that we commute and consume for concern for the environment. It will be uncomfortable to sit across from someone that we disagree with to try to understand their perspective. It will be uncomfortable to recognize that we don't have a monopoly of the truth or to recognize that the truths of others can be equally valid. That requires courage and that will all be uncomfortable. But you know what I realized in my life? that it's often at the times of greatest discomfort that I grow the most. It's a time of greatest discomfort that I sense that God's Spirit is at work in my life and encouraging me to give me courage to do differently, to be better, to change, to grow. 
And when we lean into that discomfort and see it as a gift from God, it can be an absolutely incredible way to become more compassionate, not just to ourselves, but also to others and the world around us and have the courage to engage in the work of love and justice for all. I wonder how many of us today have committed to join Jesus' parade. And for you, what does that mean to be part of Jesus' parade? Again, I invite you to put your reflections in the menti. But for me, it was first and foremost letting go of looking to the world to inform how to live my life. But at the same time, I recognize it's not running away from the world. It is also a commitment to reflect on the, the experiences that I have gone through, to discern which crosses in my own personal life I need to confront that prevent me from living more authentically into who I'm created to be. While on one, let me say that again. It's about me confronting the crosses in my personal life that prevent me from living more authentically into, into who I'm created to be on the one hand, while being in greater alignment with who God is calling me to become on the other. It means to discern which crosses also to systemically confront, which I'm being called and anointed to confront. And also to be in relationship with community, this community who will encourage me and support me on the path to following Jesus. So what does it mean for you to join Jesus' parade? For some of you, it means a commitment to openly live out and stand for what Jesus' values and calls us to practice. It means for you to put Jesus at the center of your life, Yes to trust the Lord and let go of worldly expectations and ignore the noises in your head, to live each, each day seeking only to serve, to walk with community without hurting people, to let go of the world's conventional expectation and trust in God's plan, although we might not know of it completely, absolutely. To follow Jesus and do the right thing no matter what it takes, even into the hour of darkness. To be like Jesus, to make choices that align to the values and teaching of Jesus instead of that of the world's. Thank you. Thank you for sharing what it means for you to commit to Jesus' parade. And I pray that all of us will commit to Jesus' parade and recognize that just as the humble donkey, we are called to carry Jesus' message into the world and break in God's kingdom of shalom. Today is Palm Sunday. Hosanna, save us. Blessed are we when we come in the name of the Lord. I pray that as you do so, you recognize God's saving grace at work in your life as we participate in the saving work of God in the world. Amen.
So we come now to a time of Holy Communion, and thank you, Pastor Gary, for the sermon. And so this meal, whether it symbolizes to you Jesus dying for you for your sins or Jesus leading the way into the fight against injustice and inequality, um, we still partake of it together. And so let's go into Holy Communion. We gather each Sunday at this table. Even though at this time we are not all physically together, the table of God's feast transcends time and space because God's love transcends all boundaries. So this table recognizes no boundaries. Here at FCC, we celebrate an open table. This means you do not have to meet any criteria. You do not have to be a member of FCC. You do not have to be baptized. You only need to recognize that God's grace is sufficient. We are your people, God, called together in your love. We are your children, Mother, called around the table of your word. We are your disciples, Lord, called to praise and give you thanks. We thank you, thank you good, good and, and gracious God, for calling us to be your people, for giving us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hands to touch and bless our world. Even as your people, God, we are separated from ourselves, each other, and you, the creator of life. Let us confess our brokenness. As people, as people caught in our tradition, tradition we, we confess that we have helped perpetuate systems that deny the dignity and sacred worth of all sorts and conditions of persons. We have paid lip service to equality. Our lives are based on discrimination of the other. We have been our own worst enemies. We have failed ourselves, others, and we have failed you, God. Moved by your power, we accuse ourselves because we have not allowed you to form us as a new people. We confess our sin, and we pledge to work for reconciliation with one another. We thank you, gracious God, for forgiveness and the chance to start again. We thank you, gracious God, for the gift of your Spirit given to us in Jesus, in whom we are freed from the past and its oppression, in whom the gift is complete. Gracious God, you are the mother of creation and the father of all life. We are gathered as your people to thank you for your blessings, to receive your mercy and forgiveness, and to remember how Jesus died for us, accepting death to show his love for us and you. We remember how Jesus came to us, becoming one of us, born like us, of flesh and blood and bone, a fully human person like us in all things but sin. We remember how on the night before Jesus died, he gathered with his friends for one last meal. Siblings, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. The person who aligns with me hungers no more, ever. Anyone eating this bread will not die, ever. This is my body, broken for you. Take, eat, remember me. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. When you are joined with me and I with you, the harvest is sure to be abundant. I love you as I have been loved. Abide in my love. This is my blood shed for you. Take, drink, remember me.
and now invite the stewards to come forward to distribute the elements. For those of you who are watching at home, now would be a good time to get your own elements to represent the bread and the wine so we can all partake together. If you're new with us, please hold on to the elements when you receive them and we will all partake of them at one time. Together. Jesus, you are always present in our midst. You come to us simply, lovingly, humbly, in word and sacrament, in this bread and wine, and in the love we share with one another. Let us eat and drink of this bread and wine, remembering Jesus, his teaching, his life, his suffering, his death, and his rising to new life.
may invite you to rise in body or in spirit and join me in this prayer of communion. Gracious and loving God, you have made us one in the body of Christ and nourished us at your table with holy food and drink. Thank, Thank you, you for feeding our, our hunger and relieving our thirst. With deep gratitude, we offer you our lives, our love, ourselves, gathered in Jesus by your life-giving Spirit. May we become a new people, wholly pleasing to you, a people giving glory to your name. Amen. Please be seated. Um, the stewards will come around to collect the empty cups, so just please pass them to uh, the aisle for collection. And so, uh, welcome again to the Sunday service of Free Community Church, where free stands for First Realize Everyone's Equal. FCC is an inclusive church. That means you are welcome here regardless of your sexual orientation, your gender identity, or any of the labels that the world puts on you. And so, we, whether you're joining us for the first time or you come here every week, welcome home. My name is David and I'm the service leader for today. So if you're new with us, uh, for example, if you're watching online for the first time or you're here for the first time, we invite you to uh, keep in touch by scanning the QR code or going to fcc.ly slash welcome. And there you'll find a form where you can leave some of your details and one of our pastors or staff will reach out to you so we can get to know you and find out how we can serve you better. And we do have a newcomers meeting at the last Sunday of every month. Um, so that will be on the 23rd of April after the service. And if you're interested in joining that, you can email info at freecomchurch.org. And this meeting will be where you can um, get to know some of our leaders, ask any questions you have about our history, our theology, and how you can get plugged into our church. Uh, next, we have a financial update. So we do this once a month. Um, so unfortunately, we do not have good news uh, for the month of March. As you can see, we're about 5% uh, behind on the general fund, and the general fund is what we use to pay for the expenses, our staff salaries, and the operational of the operations. Um, and we are even further behind, about 7% behind on the building fund, which is what we use to pay for the mortgage on this property. So uh, I know it's been a tough month for a lot of people with the collapse of SVB Bank and so forth. Uh, so I guess collections have dropped. Um, and so we do have a gap that we need to catch up. Uh, it's pretty significant, so if you're able to help, we do really, really appreciate your help because FCC has no other financial support other than all of you. <laughs> and so if this is your home church and you're a member um, and you can help, then we thank you for that. Um, so yeah, this is just a chart to show uh, basically last year versus this year, and you can just generally see the drop uh, in March as compared to the previous year. So um, there are several ways you can give to FCC. You can, of course, give cash. Uh, one of uh, the ways I'd like to encourage you, if you are a regular giver, please consider making a direct debit or standing instruction with your bank. Um, you can take, the, take down these two account numbers on the screen here. And that way, every week, you don't really need to think about it. It will just be a regular commitment that you make to support FCC, uh, whether to the general fund or building fund. And so um, next, there'll be two QR codes that you can scan um, for PayNow. Or you could also give by credit card at freecomchurch.give.asia, which also allows you to set up a standing instruction. And so please join me as we pray for the offering. Dear Lord, you've given us so much. You've given us your son. You've given us your spirit. You've given us our lives and all we have 
everything we have comes from you. And Lord, we are grateful for all your provisions to us. And Lord, bless the offerings that are given today. Bless the generosity of your people to support your mission, the mission of FCC to be a safe place for LGBTQ Christians, for people who have questions about their faith, that they can come here and meet you and encounter you in a place where they won't be judged, where they'll be welcomed, and a place that stands up for inequality and injustice as you allow us to. So bless this offering and multiply it just to, um, for your kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I invite the ushers to come forward to collect the offering. And if you're on site and would like to drop some cash in the bag, just raise your hand and the ushers will come to you. And while the ushers are going around, we do have a few announcements. So um, the first one is, um, we would look at, we're looking for volunteers for ACE events. And ACE stands for After Church Events. So if you have gifts, talents, knowledge, or experience that you're able to share, uh, contact info at freecomchurch.org or talk to Jeffrey, uh, and we'll find out how we can uh, set up an event for you to host. And this will enrich our community. Because as you know, you come to church, and sometimes you don't really know a lot of people, and then you just walk out. These after-church events are meant to kind of address that, and uh, it's an opportunity for you to meet new people in our community. And so next slide. We actually have an after-church event happening today, right after the service at 1 p.m. to 2.30 p.m. We will have an extended time of praise and worship with our wonderful worship team who will be here live. We'll be playing some music and just bringing us into the presence of God at this Lenten season. So yeah, hope you can join us for that uh, at 1 p.m. today. Um, coming up this week, we have a, a whole series of Holy Week services. So the Maundy Thursday service is on the 6th of April at 7.30 p.m., and that will be in-person only. And if you have never been to an FCC Maundy Thursday, you've got to experience it because it's a very, very unique, very meditative kind of experience uh, where it sort of brings you into that experience of the Last Supper and um, it'll be quiet, it'll be dark. you just got to be there and check it out. Okay, Good Friday is, uh, is on the 7th of April. It'll be a 10.30 a.m. service. Uh, this, too, is going to be very unique. I think usually when we do Good Friday, uh, we have this kind of mood of somberness so we can really reflect on the death of Jesus. So it's also something you should experience if you haven't been to a Good Friday service at FCC before. And then Easter Sunday, we'll be celebrating the resurrection of Jesus on the 9th of April, 10.30 a.m., in person and online. That's just our usual Sunday service, but it's always a special time. Okay, so we are looking for uh, people to join FCC's social media team, and you don't need to be screaming, but you do maybe need to have some tech skills or just the passion for um, getting our message out to the, the wider world. So if that's something you are interested in, then you can drop a message to Pauline at info at freecomchurch.org, and we are trying to form a new FCC social media team. Um, coming up is our church retreat. So that will be on the 2nd to 4th of June. It will be in Batam. Um, you can see the, the room rates right now here. Um, so, of course, by sharing, you can actually make it a little cheaper. Um, we do encourage you, if you have not signed up yet, please do so early because we need to actually book the number of rooms that we need. It's a busy season. It's June holidays. A lot of other churches are also trying to grab rooms in this hotel. So we need to secure our rooms. So please do not delay. 
if you're planning to go, book now um, at the QR code or go to fcc.ly slash church retreat. Now, if you need financial assistance, we don't want this retreat to exclude anyone who is saying, well, maybe I can't go because it's expensive. If that's you, please come and talk to our pastors and we can see how we can subsidize uh, your attendance because we really want everyone who wants to go to be able to go. Uh, the retreats will be led by um, Reverend Maria Ling, who's from Toronto, Canada, is a friend of Myak, uh, and her husband, Dr. Lim Sui Hong, who's a, a pretty famous person in the realm of sacred music. So they'll both be there leading the retreat. And so now I invite uh, Pastor Myak to come forward to give us the benediction. May I invite you to... May I invite you to stand as you are willing and able uh, to receive the benediction. People of God, dear beloved, we stand on the streets and we watch the parade marching by. For which parade are we going to follow? Is that the one with the chariots and the war horses proclaiming power, proclaiming economic progress, proclaiming wealth? Or the humble one with not much to show but a donkey and a, and a colt? No red carpets but cloaks from people's backs and palms from trees and not much promise of prosperity either. And looming round the corner, death and crucifixion. Who do you follow? Whose kingdom are we longing to see? God, you are the God of justice and love. You want for all to flourish not just the few and powerful, but for all to thrive. So God, lead us forward. Help us have the courage and learn to sacrifice, to give up some things that we have so that more would be able to thrive. As we go out in the world, May we fight against exploitation. May we resist the temptation. The temptation to get our own comforts, our own benefits, so that we build a world where no one is in lack and all are fully alive. So go forward into this Holy Week and re-experience Monday, Thursday, Good Friday and Resurrection on Easter Sunday anew. Go in peace and go in love always. Amen. Thank you for joining us this Sunday. We look forward to seeing you on Thursday, Friday and next Sunday. <laughs>
six. Hi everyone. Uh, for those of